2: I've heard a lot of definitions of what grace is, and I think probably uh, the one that's heard most often is God's riches at Christ's expense, the acronym GRACE. The reality is that you cannot separate Jesus from His riches. That grace is, in, in fact, a person. It is not, in most, most of our understanding, and what we hear uh, in, on Christian radio and a lot of a lot of different voices seem to make grace this salve that God comes and applies to us when we're in need. That it's something that He gives apart from Himself. But the reality is that the grace of God is literally the life of God in you overcoming the circumstance, the situation, and even the frailty of your own body. That's grace. Grace. It is God Himself. It is Christ Jesus in you. And you know when we apply graces, when we by faith recognize that Christ in us is enough. That Christ in us can, can handle every situation. You know in truth, every one of us right now are being held together by the grace of God. Every one of us has faced situations and trials that we thought we could handle. But you want to know the truth? You couldn't handle a single one. You couldn't even handle getting yourself out of bed this morning. The reality of, of the fact that you were able to do that is grace. The lost man lives by the grace of God. The grace being Christ who holds all things together by the word of his power. And if grace left us, there would be nothing here. Nothing. Grace is what gives you the strength to face each day. It is not you talking yourself into some kind of of strength or, or confidence. Grace is what empowers you to face the struggles. And you know what the, what the blessing of God is? The blessing of God is you entering into the riches of Christ, recognizing that you do not stand in your own strength, that you do not have a life apart from Him, that you're walking, living, breathing, acting, and responding in the grace of God. We don't have to pray for the grace of God to visit upon us. We have the grace of God within us, and what we need to do is recognize it. When we come across the issues and the problems, and every one of us face them, some of them are small to us, but for somebody else they may be large. Some of them are large to us. But every one of them have touched your life, have touched your life by His grace. Because grace is Christ meeting every need in your life. But you wouldn't know that if you never had a need, would you? Because in arrogance we assume because we're strong enough to get out of bed in the morning, because we're strong enough to face the issues of the day, because we're strong enough to handle our circumstance. In arrogance we literally dismiss the grace of God. The reality, it is the grace of God that has empowered you for everything that you do. And we're going to talk a little bit about grace. We're going to talk about that because we're still in Thessalonians. We're uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 4 through 8. And if y'all will read along with me. Verse 4. For even when we were with you, you know, we warned you plainly beforehand that we were to be pressed with difficulties and made to suffer affliction, just as to your knowledge it has since happened. Let me give you a little context. This is Paul speaking through a letter to the Thessalonians, okay? And Paul was driven out of Thessalonica, and he is he is currently, as he writes his letter, he is currently in Corinth. But he was driven out from that city, and then he went to another city. He was driven out of that, and he was driven out of the next one. And God allowed the enemy to keep pushing him further and further away. He became concerned. He wrote this letter. Now, when he was driven out, he knew that the Thessalonians would be experiencing persecution because it was persecution that drove him out. But remember, these are new baby Christians, so he didn't know how they were going to respond to this. So this is the reason he wrote the letter, which I'm going to go over here in a bit. Okay, So he writes to them, "...for even when we were with you, you know, we warned you plainly beforehand that we were," speaking of Paul and company, "...to be pressed with difficulties and made to suffer affliction, just as to your own knowledge it has since happened." That is the reason, verse 5, "...that when I could bear the suspense no longer, I sent that I might learn how you were standing the strain." and the endurance of your faith. For I was fearful, lest somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our toil among you should prove to be fruitless and to no purpose. But now that Timothy has just come back to us from his visit to you, and has brought us the good news of the steadfastness of your faith, and the warmth of your love, and reported how kindly you cherish a constant affectionate remembrance of us, and that you are longing to see us as we are longing to see you. Brethren, for this reason, in spite of all of our stresses and crushing difficulties, we have been filled with comfort and cheer about you because of your faith, the leaning of your whole personality on God in complete trust and confidence. Because now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. As we've discussed before and I just mentioned to you, these young Christians were enduring quite a bit of persecution for their faith. Now, the issue is that uh, Paul and his companions who were discipling them were not there to see them through this. This is something they faced alone, and Paul is, is reminding them. He mentions, he, in fact, he was concerned that the enemy might, have, might pull them away. And he mentions this in verse 3. He says, I was concerned that you might be led astray by the afflictions and or difficulties. And what he's talking about in terms of them being led astray is the Thessalonians, in the midst of this tribulation, in the midst of this persecution, might begin to listen to the legalists, might begin to listen to the naysayers, might even begin to listen to the enemy talking to them in first person singular, using their Thessalonian accent, and saying to them, you know, this would have never happened to me had I... This wouldn't have happened to me if I had been or I had done. You know, God doesn't want us to go through suffering. If I had been a better Christian, I would have never had to, to suffer in this way. This is God punishing me. Have you ever heard those voices that sound like yours in your head? Well, it would not be true in this case. It would not be true. It would not be true that God had somehow singled them out for punishment. It would not be true that they were being persecuted because they didn't do it correctly. It would not be true. All of those things are the enemy's work calculated to pull the Thessalonians' focus off Jesus and His grace and His life and put it on themselves. The enemy's big on blame. If he can push your focus... Either direction. He'll push it towards blame. Well, you know, it's those Jews that are doing all this. It's their fault. He'll push you towards blame and bitterness. He'll push you towards self-centeredness. Oh, if only if I could be a better Christian. If only I could do. push you towards self-centeredness. That's what that is. It sounds real holy and righteous and religious, penitent. But it, who are you focusing on? You. And the same is true when you're blaming others. When you're blaming others, what is, what is the point? The point is how they're treating who? Me. In either case, the focus wouldn't be Jesus, and guess who would be their salvation? It wouldn't be Jesus, would it? It'd be them. It would be them. Now, if their faith had fallen, then they would immediately be looking for a way to escape their persecution, their trials. The enemy would have pulled them away from the focus of Jesus. The Thessalonians might have believed the lie, but if they had, they would have lost the truth within them. They would have lost the focus of Christ sustaining them. They would have lost the truth that persecution that was coming against them was not against them personally, but against the life that was within them. And listen, as we go forward in this, you're going to see something that really isn't going to make a whole lot of sense to most Americans. And that is that persecution is normal. It's normal. Let's look at verse 4. He says, For even when we were with you, we warned you plainly beforehand that we were to be pressed with difficulties and made to suffer affliction, just as to your own knowledge it has since happened You see, if theirs was a religious experience, if it was based on something other than the work of the Spirit, they would have dropped out after taking one look at Paul's scars, after taking one look at Paul's situation and what he'd come from, after listening to Paul tell about the... and he says right here, he told them, talking about how he had just come from Philippi having been beaten with rods. Now, no, his back hasn't healed up yet. I'm sure that they helped dress the wounds. They knew what, they, what was going to happen. They knew what they were getting themselves into. And you know what? They knew persecution would come. They knew it. They saw him driven out. Now, the reality of that is that if they didn't have a true relationship with Christ... If they had not been seeking Him, they wouldn't have lasted. You remember the parable that Jesus tells in Mark chapter 4, where uh, He talks about the, the sower and the seeds? Mark chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 says And in the same way, the ones, that is the seed, sown upon stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, at once receive and accept and welcome it with joy. Verse 17, and they have no real root in themselves, and so they endure for a little while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended, become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. Did you hear those words? Because that describes a person whose focus is what? Right? Self. Self. It's not Jesus. Colossians 2, 7, Paul speaking to the Colossians says this. He says, have the roots of your being, the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in Him. Fixed and founded in Him. Being continually built up in Him. Becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith, just as you were taught. And abounding and overflowing in it with thanksgiving. Do you know what I think the roots are? You're already overflowing at the center of you because Christ is in union with you. Do you know what I believe the roots are? It's your soul. It's your mind, will, and emotion. That is your roots. The roots of your being. It says, Have your roots firmly and deeply planted in Him. Fixed and founded in Him. Have your mind fixed and founded in Him. Have your will firmly rooted in Him. Have your emotions fixed in Him. That's how you stand. That's how, you, that's how you walk in this on this planet without being driven away, driven into, or tempted to fall into the other areas where you become self-centered, where you become man-centered, where you become worldly, where you become weak, where you become tossed about like ships on water. They had been told and warned that this would happen. They were told in advance what to expect. You know, I talked about this last week. It's tantamount to what they do with childbirth classes. They don't take any of the pain away, but they tell you fully what to expect. So that when you go in there, or when the ladies go in there, and the husband's standing beside her and seeing her in so much pain, he can know she's not dying. She's giving birth to something. She's giving birth to a child. She's not dying. In childbirthing classes, while they don't take away the pain, they make th- them aware that they are enduring for a purpose. Well, Paul made them aware. Paul let them know that persecution was to be expected. It is normal. First Peter chapter four, verses 12 through 14. "Beloved, don't be amazed and bewildered at the fiery ordeal which is taking place to test your quality as though something strange, unusual, and alien to you and your position were befalling you. But in so far as you are sharing Christ's suffering, whose suffering are you sharing? Christ. I thought it was all about us. "...insofar as you are sharing Christ's suffering, rejoice, so that when His glory, full of radiance and splendor, is revealed, you may also rejoice with triumph exultantly." If you are censored and suffered abuse because you bear the name of Christ... Blessed are you, happy, fortunate, to be envied with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of your outward condition, because the Spirit of glory, the Spirit of God is resting upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. Trials come to prove, to purify, to display the glory of God through God's strength in our weakness. Now, when I say to prove, it it is this. It is to display the truth of who you are. It is to prove to you who you are. God allows trials in your life so that you can know that you have a life within you that can be revealed. It is stronger. It is greater. It is a much greater reward than what this world will give you. It is who you are. But you know what? Sometimes it takes a trial to bring that to your attention. Sometimes it takes a trial to expose the truth of who you are so that you stand So that you look. yeah. And this is the reward. Trials in the the New Testament, tribulations and persecutions that these guys go through, they go through it with the understanding that it is the blessing of God. Wow, there's a new concept. They literally believe it is the blessing of God, that God would allow them to see the strength, the power, the life of Christ stand in the face of trials. Well, you say, well, I don't know if I could do that, but here's the reality of it. You don't. <laughs> you don't. Trials come to reveal the truth of what is within us. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and 8. However, we possess this treasure, the divine light of the Gospels in frail human vessels of earth, that the grandeur and its exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. You see, the goal is God revealed. It's not revealing our strength. Well, how does that happen? How is that revealed? We are, verse 8, we are hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. You see, we're pressed, we're squeezed, and God allows it. And He allows it that His glory might be revealed. That the pressures and the difficulties of life push against us. And here's the truth of it, guys. Here's the reality of it. You know what comes out first? What's in the soul? That's the first thing that comes out of it. A friend of mine talks about another friend of his who was teaching this principle, and what he did was he brought an orange, and he said it in front of him, and he says, now, if I squeeze this orange, what's going to come out of it? And, of course, everybody said orange juice. So he squeezed it, and what came out of it was black goo. He had ins- he injected the orange with ink. He had put ink inside the orange, so what came out of the orange was black goo. Well, the reality is, what are you putting into your soul? What is your mind, will, and emotion feeding off of? You know, it only, it it has to be fed. And either the world's feeding it, or the Spirit of God is feeding it. What you have within your soul is going to come out the minute you're squeezed, the minute you're insulted, the minute you're inconvenienced, the minute the tire goes flat, the minute the the oven burns your roast, the minute the husband talks back, the minute the the wife is disrespectful, the minute the kids disobey, the minute things go wrong. I know we're not enduring the rods and imprisonment, but the reality of it is it works on the same principle. And if what happens when we get squeezed, if what comes out of us is nothing but man-centered, worldliness, self-protection, if all of that is what's coming out of you, you've been feeding from the wrong fountain. But here's the reality of it. God allows it. And we know when enough of it is squeezed out of us, there's no other resource. We think we're going to die, but there's no other resource. And guess where it has to come from? The center of who you are. It says right there, perplexed, don't know what to do, no way out. We are squeezed into a position where we don't have any more options. You ever been there? God just takes you and just squirts everything out to the point where all that is left is your union with Him. Oh, but when that comes forward, when that comes forward... The glory of God is revealed. Remember what the glory of God is? It's the presence of God. Wow! Do you mean to tell me that I could manifest, that I could allow the presence of God to be exuded through my life? That's what you were made for. That's what you were made for. That the glory of God might be expressed through your life. When that happens, then it's the fruit of the Spirit. And instead of anger, instead of selfishness, instead of hate, instead of bitterness, instead of anger and all those other things that used to, your soul used to harbor, now what comes forward? Love, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, kindness, the fruit of the Spirit. Those things are expressed. Pressed and squeezed. Paul continues in verse 5 of Thessalonians chapter 3. He says, That is the reason that when I could bear the suspense no longer, I sent that I might learn how you were standing the strain and the endurance of your faith. For I was fearful lest somehow the tempter had tempted you and our toil among you should prove to be fruitless and to no purpose. You know, as I told you a little while ago and last week, Paul knew that those, those young believers were enduring persecution. He just didn't know how they were handling it. And whether or not their faith would endure would depend upon their focus. And you remember I used this verse last week, Hebrews twelve two, Looking away from all that will distract us to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. For he, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, enduring the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, looking away from all that distracts us. I want to tell you something. When we look away from our circumstance. The enemy will do these things and we quickly or we quickly will turn our face towards these things and we'll say, Oh my gosh, look at all this. But when we look away from those things and we look to him, then we begin to see him as our resource. It's no longer in the context of what I have to bring, it's in the context of what he brings. It's no longer about my strength or weakness, it's about his strength. You see Looking away centers us to where our context for life is Jesus. Our source for life is Jesus. It is making Jesus the focus. And I want to say something to you because we got a lot of men here and so I will speak to this issue. You know what? If you don't make Jesus the focus of your family, then their focus will be the world. How do I do that? Well, it would be nice if I could just give you a 10-step program up here, wouldn't it? But that's not it. That is, you make Jesus the context of everything that touches your life. I want to tell you something. Moms and dads and future moms and dads, the reality is that the world has the ears and the eyes of your children, and it may even have yours. You see, that is the context. It will affect your home.
1: Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do,